0: In this ministry year, our, our sentence for the next several years is connected to the phrase flourishing in love, love for God, love for neighbor, and love for the world. And one of the things we'd like to do in each of those three years is have a very specific action step that we're all going to be invited into. And what we're going to do this year is something around the idea of embracing Sabbath joy. So would you please watch this video? At the end of the video, there'll be an opportunity for conversation. So if you're willing, and if you choose, we invite you to share two minutes together. So please watch.
1: Hello, Third Church family. We're excited to share an invitation with you for this coming year. But first, we have a question. How are you?
2: It's a loaded question, am I right? (laughs) Some of us have arrived here today well-rested, some of us with no rest. Some of us arrived hopeful and joy-filled, but some sad and exhausted.
1: Well, I've had some arrivals in my day. I think back, Jess and I sharing words spoken in anger and disgust that should have never been spoken, and probably especially before (laughs) church. (laughs) Kiddos throwing a tantrum right before we walked through the door when they were much younger, of course. But let's be honest, now Jess and I are the only one that throw the tantrums. But I would put on a fake smile, use threats, and resort to rewards if that didn't work, to get all the kiddos to act appropriately. All because of what I thought it should look like to keep the Sabbath. Show up at church with a smile on my face. But I've been learning. To keep the Sabbath means so much more than that.
2: Now, for anyone who is already thinking, oh, no, not Sabbath. Sabbath means boredom and rules and lots of no's. We want to re-look at Sabbath, seeing it as a gift, to recognize that the rhythm of six days of work, one day of rest, is actually written to the very core of our beings. Living with a Sabbath rhythm gives freedom, sets apart one day as holy and life-giving. It's supposed to be the most fun day of our week. That's
1: right. Now, Sabbath looks different for each of us and that's the way it's supposed to be. We are all invited to practice Sabbath, but there's no cookie-color way to engage. This year, we'll be traveling together to discover Sabbath joy as we experience Sabbath moments, are invited into Sabbath challenges, and utilize resources that help to set this day apart. We believe that the rhythm of work and rest allows for us to be a holistic people. It will change every part of who we are, Sabbath will encourage us to flourish in love for God, love for our neighbors, and love for the world.
2: So where do we begin? First, as a church family, we wanna make sure we're all on the same page. To start, we wonder if it would be helpful to reflect on our personal understandings of Sabbath. The things we think and feel about Sabbath can influence how or if we can learn more. As we begin, we'll be asked to reflect on our understanding of Sabbath and how that impacts us today. Second, we're going to learn about four different invitations for Sabbath. The invitations will also be some of the themes we'll use throughout the year. The invitations are ceasing, resting, embracing, and feasting. Marva Don, author of Keeping the Sabbath Holy, wrote about these themes and how Sabbath is to incorporate all of these aspects.
1: For the next couple of moments, we want to share why these invitations are both meaningful and fun. Ceasing. Ceasing is often thought of as not engaging in things. And although this is true, the purpose behind ceasing is to reveal places in our lives where we're trying to be God. Ceasing brings us freedom as we are reminded that we serve a God who desires to take care of us. The second one, resting. Now, resting on the Sabbath might mean napping, (laughs) but they are not necessarily synonyms of each other. Naps could be involved in our Sabbath, but so might allowing the Holy Spirit room to renew and transform our thinking. Choosing to trust God and giving Him space to focus our thoughts and emotions on Him.
2: Then we have embracing. Embracing invites us to intentionally take hold of God's values, our calling, our purpose, our identity in Him. Finally, we have feasting. Feasting invites us to lavish in God's goodness and love as individuals, as well as together, while eating worshiping and celebrating with affection or within creation.
1: Ceasing, resting, embracing, feasting. We will be invited into all these things as we journey together to keep the Sabbath. Now there are a couple of specific invitations for the month of October we'd like to share with you. As you leave today, you will see bags for your household to take home to help you start your Sabbath journey. Each bag has a book full of ideas and reflections, a bingo card, a praying and color book, and more. Our hope is that this bag will be a resource for you as you journey and that it gives you permission to explore more about Sabbath. There's also a new class beginning October 24th called the Common Rule. This class will further help us develop habits that will lead us to a meaningful purpose in this life. You can find more about the class at the Welcome Center or on our website. And beginning this week, the TRC Challenge for the month of October is simple and it embodies all four of our themes, cease, rest, embrace, and feast. We want to invite you on Saturdays at sundown to slow down, cease, unplug from technology, rest, and share a meal Feast with people that you enjoy, embrace, pick foods that you love, and take turns sharing a passage that meant a lot to you this past week. We wonder if this simple practice would encourage our church family to recenter, refill, and reflourish together.
2: Remember, the challenge is not meant to be legalistic. We'll have a new challenge every month. And some of these challenges might bring you joy and freedom, while others may not be a good fit. That is okay. We want to journey together in setting apart one day a week as holy, and seeing how that will be a, will be a changed people as we learn to cease, rest, embrace, and feast. Before we continue with worship, why don't we spend a couple minutes talking about the following questions with our neighbors? What highlighted for you from this video? Or maybe start with the initial question: Is Sabbath hard for you? Why or why not?
0: Thank you so much. Uh, I, I, I'm going to ask a couple questions, and I'd like to get some, some response. Here's the first question. Um, how would you define worship? Because people just throw, some, just, just throw some random things at me? Well, how, how would you define worship? Praising? Satisfying. Satisfying? Good. Yes. Stopping. Stopping. Just... Okay. Great. in other words. we offer ourselves. Okay, second question. Who or what is the primary focus of your worship? In the course of your week, could you look do inventory, each of us, in the course of my week, what is it I most focus on? What do I most think about? What do I most long for is that what I worship? Is that a, are those a fair set of questions? Yeah. So what I think, I'm gonna surprise you here, if you look back in the previous chapters of Ecclesiastes, fundamentally, the teacher is saying, we worship ourselves. Next slide, uh, Morgan, can I slide three? This is what I, so think about last week. Last week you we looked at chapter four. We looked at the worship of self, and the worship of wealth. And what you saw, if you remember the passage—is there was oppression, there was envy, there was laziness, there was busyness, there was isolation, and there was loss. When we worship ourselves, and we worship whatever it is we seek to obtain, it becomes heaven, right? And that's what he keeps talking about. In chapter 5, he does something very interesting. He's going to invite us to worship. But we're going to raise a different idea, perhaps, than what you have thought. So let me just give you a couple of things. I'm going to, and I'm going to, I'm trying to act it out. So I'm going to walk around the room. When, and I've quoted this every week for the past five weeks. Jesus was being tested by Jewish leaders what it meant to obey the law. And Jesus responded with these words called the Shema. This is, I'm quoting Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. What's the first word? Hear. The people were terrified in the Old Testament of God in the Theophanies, in the big mountain scapes, And they said to Moses, you go talk to God and just tell us what God says. So Moses takes their response to God and says, hear, O Israel, hear. Now why did he say that? Listen to this now. For the Hebrews, the primary organ for connecting with God was the ears. This is an oral culture. So someone like Jesus, a rabbi, would have memorized the map listen to this. The rabbis memorized the whole Old Testament. So when they talked to people, they would tell them what the scriptures were. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. In the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, now I'm going to walk. What happens in chapters two and three? In chapters two and three, the risen Jesus comes to seven churches, and he goes, the text says, he walks into seven churches, and he looks at the people in those seven churches. He reads their hearts, their minds, and he speaks to each of the seven churches. And at the end, what does he say to all seven churches? Let him who has ears to hear, let him hear. So what's really interesting in chapter 5, verse 1, Ecclesiastes 5, 1, how it begins is, listen. Worship begins with listening to the words of God. Um, let me give you the, a picture if I could. Let's just imagine, so let, let's pretend. Let's pretend that this opens up and sitting behind it is, is God. What would our responses be if all of a sudden we could see something like God? We would be terrified. Terrified. Yes? Why? All through the Bible, when people experienced the presence of God, the angels of God, what was the first thing they said all the time? Fear not. Now watch. We're living in a culture today, may I say this, umbrella of mercy, I don't know if we have much fear for God. Therefore, when we come to worship, we just talk a lot and sing a lot. And, and what you're going to see in our passages, he's going to say, listen. Don't talk so much. Listen to the words of God. And once you hear the words of God, obey. And all of a sudden, we worship the true God, not ourselves, and we move from heaven to meaning. Let me show you that. Chapter 5, Ecclesiastes chapter 5. I'm going to read chapter 5, 1 through 7. I'm going to read a paraphrase I wrote and read chapter 5, 1 through 7 again. And so the tone, I'm trying, I'd like, to be, I'd like to be really focused and strong, but I don't want to come across... Uh, negative preachy. So I, I got attention here. So let's follow me. Chapter 5, 1 through 7. Here are the words of God, the very words of God. Ray Vandalon says, These are the very words of God. Listen to chapter 5, 1 through 7. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Now look at the next phrase Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. So do not be quick with your mouth, this is in worship. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven and we are on earth, so let our words be few. A dream comes when there are many cares and many words mark the speech of a fool. Now the first three verses, We listen to God. Verses 4 through 7, we speak to God. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it. God has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin. And do not protest to the temple messenger saying, my vow was a mistake. Why should God be angry at what we say and destroy the work of our hands? Much dreaming and many words are hevel. Therefore, fear God. Now, if you have your own Bibles, look back at chapter uh, three. This is from two weeks ago. So look, chapter three, look down in verse 12. And look for the word fear at the end of this little passage. Chapter 3, verse 11, I'm sorry. God has made everything beautiful in his time. He has also set eternity in in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to end. So there is a reason to fear him. We don't understand what he has done. I know there is nothing better for people than to be happy and do good while they live that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction, contentment in all their toil. This is the gift of God, gift not gain. Now look at verse 14. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken from it. Look at the next sentence now. God does this so that people will fear him. And the translation of fear can also be worship. Now, let's go back over to chapter 5, verse 7. Much dreaming and many words are hevel, therefore fear, worship God. Now, let me give you a paraphrase. Because I'm going to try, and this, I need, so hear the words, not the tone. It's a paraphrase of what I just read. How brazen and dishonored people are with our worship. We will go so far with it as suits our needs. So when we attend worship services, and we sing the songs, and when we have to, we give a little money. But do we live as though we made vows to God? Do we live as though we honor God? Don't kid yourself. Among our friends, among our co-workers, among our teammates, our faith is often hidden or it's put on the shelf. Remember, God knows everything. He knows our hearts before we bring Him our worship. And we can't fool God. So take a good look at yourself before you walk into church next Sunday. Come to listen, not to speak. For God knows what you need to hear. Will you listen? Any fool can spout off a prayer. Any foolish person can sing a song. A fool's words are mindless and endless. They're like a dream. Although to people looking on, they might seem impressive, but not to God. For him, words are many and words are cheap just like the dreams when we are asleep. God wants our hearts, not just in appearance. Get right with him before you go to worship. Now let's read chapter 5, 1 through 7 again. And then we'll unpack it. I'm going to use pronouns for us. So, third church family, we guard our steps when we go to the house of God. We go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know what they are doing. So we won't be quick with our mouths and we won't be hasty in our hearts to utter anything before God. We remember God is in heaven and we are on earth. So let our words be few. A dream dream comes when there are many cares and many words mark the speech of a fool. That's we listen to God, 4 through 7, and now we speak. When we make a vow to God, don't delay to fulfill it. God has no pleasure in fools, so fulfill our vows. It is better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. So don't let our mouths lead us into sin. And don't protest the temple messenger, my vow was a mistake. Why should God be angry at us at what we say and destroy the work of our hands? Much dreaming and many words are meaningless, hevel. Therefore, fear God. Slide three, and then four, and then five. So what I'm trying to get at this morning is in previous chapters, the worship is all about me. Remember chapter three? 67 times, I, me, myself, me, I, myself. It's all about me. It's all about me. My life's about me. Last week, I asked this question. If you look at your life, is there anything you do that is not focused on you? Doctor, doctor, when I was in the seminary, Dr. Fuller said to me, I said, I've never forgotten. He said, Is there anything that we do in life? Listen to this question. I've never forgotten this. This is 1980. Dr. Fuller said, Is there anything we do in our lives that is not selfishly motivated? So think about how you interact with people all week long. What was the motivation? And I said last week, what I observe in me, us, is what we do is for us. It's for me. Remember two weeks ago when I popped all the balloons? We looked at all those things that people seek to make themselves happy, and they don't become happy. We're not happy. We're seeking happiness. We're seeking happiness. We can't find it. It's hell. So what I'm observing is we worship the wrong God. Last week, Sunday, in the auditorium, Allie Cramner, who taught, said we're really often idolaters. We worship idols. In chapter 5, there's a different kind of worship. Next slide now, slide 4. So the word hevel, all through the text, hevel, meaningless, the wind, chase the wind. If hevel overwhelms us, if all the stuff that we're chasing overwhelms us, he says in chapter 5, 1 and 2, guard your steps when you come into the sanctuary and listen. So every Sunday, you're invited to come in here and say, Lord, what would you speak to me this week from your words? From your word, not my words, your words. That's why we keep reading the scriptures, your words. What would you have for me? So for me, my word for weeks from chapter five or seven is I'm asking the Lord, Kevin, do you fear God? Now fear can be reverence and honor. That's, that's a good way to translate it. But fear can also be, oh my. So I want you to think about, just let's, let's imagine. Let's imagine Jesus returns tomorrow. And so if I read the scriptures correctly, there'll be stuff happening in the heavens. Planets and solar systems are going to be, and then stuff's going to happen Here. And these, this, this, this myriad angels are going to, and Jesus is going to come back as the king. And so the earth is, well, I, I, this umbrella of mercy, the scriptures say everyone's going to see Jesus at the same time. So I got a question for you. If the earth is round, how does everyone see Jesus at the same time? What has to happen? This has to become this so that everyone can see Jesus at the same time. So let me ask you, what's your response going to be when Jesus comes back as the king? I know my response is going to be, I'll be wetting my pants. I'll be terrified. Why in the, all through scriptures, when, when, when God's presence is clearly known, people just... Have you ever feared God like that? Have you ever in your own heart been so amazed at the holiness of God that you said like Isaiah, woe is me for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and I have seen the Lord. That's what he's poking at here. So for four chapters, it's been hevel, hevel, hevel. Chase this, chase this, grab this, chase this. And it's just, it's, it's meaningless. And now chapter five, he says, now let's get refocused. When you come into the sanctuary, guard your steps. Be careful where you're walking because you're walking into the presence of God. How would that change how we worship together? In the next verse he says, listen. Don't let me just have a second. I mean, just ask. Don't just, I'm going to ask for a raise of hands. How many people in the room right now have a sense that God is saying something to them right now? Could you raise your hand if you sense something from the Lord? Raise your hands high. Look, every single Sunday, when you come to worship, I'm going to challenge you, expect God to speak to you from His words. So what happens? Let's go look at it. Next one more slide. I'm sorry, go back one. I'm sorry, Morgan. Number two. I want to I talk about it real quick. Simplicity, safeguards sincerity. Repeatedly in chapter five, one through seven, he says, don't talk too much. Don't talk too much. Don't, so personally, when I get, when I get five to seven page, single spaced emails from people about a topic, um, I'm concerned. That much verbiage is, tells me something. Let me quote our savior the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5. Jesus is talking about making vows. I quote Jesus. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Simplicity safeguards sincerity. That's what he's poking at here. You don't need to have bazillion words from God, just a few. Just have some words that you hear, and then you start to obey. One more, one more slide, then we'll go back to the passage. Number three, now, this is what I wanna really have you think about. The reality of God is best measured by the truthfulness of his speech, not by our sense of his presence. You hear what I'm saying here? We live in an experiential culture and we are inviting us. We are inviting as a church family to experience the more of our God. Absolutely. We need to experience more. But we need to experience more after, while we are hearing the words of God. Because we can experience all kinds of stuff that can be right or wrong. The word. So I would suggest for this morning. So for me, four o'clock, I was sitting right here. Guard your steps, Kevin, when you walk into the sanctuary. And for the whole week, verse 7, care Kevin, fear God. So as I interact with people all week long, I've been thinking about fear God. So like what? So when I'm in a conflict with someone, Simplicity impacts sincerity. No. I listen, I listen, hear, and respond. Simply, succinctly, and honorably. Why? Because I fear God. Kevin, let your le- yes be yes. And your no be no. Let he who has ears to hear, let her hear. It's really fun, I gotta brag about our children's ministries team. I invite you, on behalf of those teams, go down and watch the third and fourth graders and the fifth and sixth graders on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights. When I was a kid, we did crafts and then we had to memorize the catechism. Two great things. Thank, praise, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? Yikes. You go down there now. What are they doing? They're helping these kids hear the words of God. They're reading them. They're memorizing. And then what are they doing? They're journaling. They're asking the Lord to give them visions and dreams having heard the words of God. And these little people are having experiences with Jesus that was blow our minds. Some of you parents, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Our kids are, are open to this because they're hearing and they're obeying. Let's go back to the passage now, real quick. Back to chapter five. I'm, I'm going to go through a couple things real quickly. So, chapter five, one. As we come to worship, guard our steps. We go to the house of God, number two. When we come in, verse two, our next phrase, go near to listen rather than offer the sacrifice of fools, who mean they just talk, they just sing. So this, this is what some of, the, some of the Old Testament scholars said. It's so fun to watch. These people are just coming to church, just going through the motions. They're singing the songs. They're bringing the sacrifices. They're doing the stuff. And it has n- they, they could care less about any of it. They won't care. They're just coming to worship. They're doing the worship thing. And that's what he's talking about in verse two. When you come by, you come by to listen and don't say stupid stuff. He, so what he's saying, basically, if you don't wanna sing, don't sing. If you're not gonna mean it, don't sing it. If you're not gonna listen, don't come. That, this is how blunt he is talking. If we come to worship, we wanna come and experience. the. So thank you, Morgan. Listen intently, listen. What is God saying? So i can keep you asking the third time, what is God saying to you this morning, to you? When you interact here and elsewhere, speak carefully, carefully. Respond sincerely, I'll go to that just a second, and fear rightly. Sometimes I think we need to say, Lord, I reverence you, I honor you, I extol you, I reverence you. And there are some days we need to say, Lord, I am scared skinny of you. I remember, I remember when I was in college, so I'm talking about my dad. My dad said to me, when I was 18 years old, and I love my dad, and it it kept me out of a lot of trouble because I never want to dishonor my dad. Sexual revolution, when I was in high school, in college, the sexual revolution was running through America. And my dad said to me, I'll never forget this, as I was going to college, 1973, my dad said, "Kevin." I just want you to know that your last name is Christian. Not Corver. Christian. And if you get a young woman pregnant, you do not leave her abandoned. You send her to your mother and I, and you send your baby to your mother and I, and we will care for your child and the woman with whom you've had a relationship. I feared my dad. That kept my pants up a lot. I feared my dad. I reverenced him, absolutely reverenced my dad, but I feared my dad. Do you reverence God? Have you ever Feared God, so when you come to worship, guard your steps. Listen. Well, let's go a little farther. I got a couple things I want to hit real quick. So the first three verses are about us praying, are about us listening to God. Verses four through seven are speaking. But I think it's really interesting, and I want to I want to make something clear to us. Verse six: Don't let your mouth lead you into sin. And don't protest to the temple messenger. My vow was a mistake. What's all this vow stuff going on here? Well, let me explain it real quickly. In that day when you in, in that day when you came, everyone when you came to worship, you were expected to bring something as an offering. Every Israelite was expected to bring something. But you could get out of it. And how you got out of it was by using the word Corbin, C O R B-A-N. So let's just say you brought things to the Lord. Oh, I can't do it, Lord. I can't bring an offering to the house of God because I'm going to use it to take care of my parents. But the practice was you would say Corbin, but they'd use the money for themselves. So they would send the temple messenger to me and say, Kevin, why have you not brought an offering to the Lord? Why are you not keeping your vows? Think about this one. So I'm, I'm old fashioned. The dad who feared, I fear both sides. Every single week, I watch my dad have a check on one little table. And all of us sons, we, we, we walk past that thing all week long. And you can ask the deacons who count our money. Every Sunday, I come to worship, I put an offering in one of those boxes. Because I want to make a vow. I want to give to the Lord and say, I reverence you. I reverence you. And I fear you because I don't want money to kill me. Go back to Jesus. Jesus said, we cannot love God and money. We can love the one and hate the other we can love this one and we can hate that one, but we cannot serve God money. So way back in the day, Jacques, Ewell taught me this. If Kevin, if you want to break the power of money in your life, give it away. That's what he's talking about. So what he says to us in worship, I'm not, this is not primarily about money, don't hear that. It's about what we say and doing what we say. So when we come into this place, we guard our steps. Because you recognize, this is the presence. We are gathering, mean, you know this, we could, any the churches where two or three gather, get that, totally. But there's something about God's people gathering together in worship that the Lord is uniquely present. So we guard our steps and then we listen. So let me stop again. Could I ask for a raise of hands? How many people are hearing something from the Lord for you this morning? Could you raise your hands high? Now look. So it's more than before. So the encouragement I'm trying to give you is all of us can hear. This is, this is the expectation. But whatever we hear, then come the vows. When the Lord invites us to do something, then we do it. Whatever the Lord calls us to do, we do it. So, now, s- slide seven. Uh, we don't have time. Let's go to slide eight. So, here comes back to, if you watch the video, what was the, what was the ask for embracing Sabbath joy? On Saturday night at sundown, could you begin to initiate some Sabbath practices? With those you love, single people create some relationships. If you have family, do that. Just begin some practices that allow you to cease and to feast and to embrace. So that before that, would you keep coming back to corporate worship? Because we recenter. We for a few moments this happens. So, so I'm gonna, I'm, let, me, let me illustrate this. If I if I ask if I ask you this question. Give me, give a raise of hands. Can we have, you have heard the words of God. We have sought to reverence fear and oh, my fear. And the Lord is speaking. How many people sense in this room right now can you sense this? Even with the rain, you know how I can tell? No one's coughing, no one's walking out, and we're all together. When we gather in corporate worship to hear the very words of God, we re-center, which allows us to be refilled with his goodness, which then enables us to go and to re flourish. So, back to our practice. Would you think about next Saturday night, however it works for you, figure out some way, a Sabbath meal? Could you read and respond to Ecclesiastes 5, 1 through 7? And would you bless someone else? And it's, let me think of a blessing this week. A 93-year-old grandma from our church came in a wheelchair. She is uh, not in good health, and the um, HRTA brought her here. And she came into the building, and she's way back over here. She was sitting, and I came walking down, and I saw her. And she. So. So. You know, a 93-year-old woman goes like this. So she's in a wheelchair and I got down like this and she's having some physical things and she looked at me and she said to me, I'm gonna die soon and I want you to do my funeral and at my funeral, will you tell everyone that God has been very, very good to me and will you tell my kids that I love them? And I thought, she just blessed me. She blessed those who come to her funeral. And she blessed her kids. In small and simple ways, we can offer blessings. I see Coach McMartin. And if you want to have fun, you ask, ask Jeff what he does with his football players. I have never seen a football coach. Jay McKinsey would be one, high school coach, Jeff in college. These men are teaching men how to be good and kind and caring people. And I listened to some of the things Jeff has said to some of his players, and I bet those guys are going to leave Central College and they're never going to talk about, they may not talk about this game or this game, but they will talk about the relationships they shared and the blessings their coach, McKinstry, Kakrinsky and McMartin. And it's not just coaches. It's all kinds of people. We have opportunities to bless in the name of Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you and we bless you. We honor you that you are inviting us to listen. So just take 20 seconds now. Would you listen again in the quiet of your heart? What has the Lord spoken to you today? Would you ask the Lord, what should I do with what you're speaking to me? So Lord, may your kingdom come and may your will be done as we hear, as we obey, and as we trust. In Jesus' name, amen.